0: You are listening to the audio from Grace Bible Church. This audio message is a recording from our Sunday morning worship service. We hope you enjoy. All right, guys, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Dave. I'm the Connections Pastor here at Grace, and it is just a real uh, honor and privilege to be able to open up God's Word uh, with you uh, this morning. Um, If you have a copy of God's Word with you, I'd encourage you to open up to Matthew chapter 6. Uh, Matthew chapter 6 today, we're going to be in verses 1 through 6 today. Um, If you you don't don't have a copy of God's Word with you, don't worry about it. You can take that Black Pew Bible right in front of you uh, and turn it to page 811. 811, you'll be able to to turn, them. be able to follow along with us um, as we just really break down God's Word today. Um, We are continuing um, our series on the Sermon on the Mount. We, we've got through chapter 5, it's taken us a bit, uh, but we want to spend as much time as possible here, here in, in this portion, Matthew 5 through 7. Because, uh, you know, we, we've said it before, just to give you a little bit of context, this is Jesus's, probably Jesus's stump speech. You know how you have, you know, around um, election season, these politicians will, will go around to different areas and basically give the, give the, the same speech. Maybe switch up a little bit, but um, the, the main thrust is, is really the same. This was Jesus' stump speech. This is what Jesus went all throughout um, the area around around, uh, Galilee, preaching this same message to different audiences, to different people. But he kept giving the same message of inviting people into and experiencing the kingdom of God, of experiencing the kind of life that that God offers to us as we follow after him and make him Lord of every single area of our lives. Well, Matthew chapter 5, Jesus did a lot of correcting what people thought. Remember, almost every passage, a portion over the last few weeks, it said, you know, you've heard it said this, but but I say this. And he does that over and over and over again because he's correcting the thoughts of, of what people had during that time. Matthew 6, he begins doing something a little bit different, and I want to bring bring you in on that. First, I want to give give you a little story, not to, you know, build up something, it's going to be awesome, but um, this past summer, uh, the Lee household has done a lot of grilling and a lot of smoking, smoking meats. Let me just put that out there. Before you guys, I always, I should have put that on my notes, everyone's like, smoking what? What are you talking about? (laughs) Smoking meat, smoking meat. Um, it's something that's one of my hobbies. Um, I'm beginning to watch a ton of YouTube videos, beginning to, to learn some things uh, about being able to, to smoke meat. But there's all, whenever, whenever I grill or prepare a meal for my family or for some friends that we've had over, there's always this really anxious moment I have. And I always, I will, I will wait and eat. I won't eat any meat until my wife has cut open a piece of meat to make sure it's, it's done or not. Because on more than one occasion... I have served undercooked meat to people. And thankfully, no one's died of like salmonella, but it's possible. Uh, I remember having like a, a large group of people over. I think I think it was it was our small group, and the meat was not done. And so you have that like walk of shame to go back to the grill, or even worse, the, the microwave to make sure those things are done. The worst thing ever to anyone who grills or smokes meat is put anything in in the microwave after you've cooked it. Um, so I finally just broke down after. All these anxious moments, and I finally bought myself a digital thermometer. How many of you guys have used one of those before? Game changer for me. Absolute game changer. Because, listen, that meat on the outside can look really good. It's seared well. It's got got good grill marks. It looks done. But I have personally had too many bites of undercooked chicken or sausage or burgers um, to tell that, listen, that meat is not done yet. But that digital, that, that digital thermometer is, is a godsend, is a blessing, because I can stick that thing in the middle of that meat, and I can know exactly what's going on inside. The outside doesn't matter. I want to make sure that inside is cooked. Well, this morning, and really over the next three or four weeks, Jesus is going to stick a digital thermometer in each of our hearts, thankfully. Metaphorically, we're not going to be—we're not handing out or jabbing anyone here today. There's enough jabbing going along going on right now. We don't need any more of that. But Jesus is going to give us a look in what actually is going on inside of our hearts. See, in Matthew six one through eighteen, Jesus—Jesus—what he does is that he brings up three really good things, three really good acts of righteousness. He's, we're going to talk about giving, praying, and fasting. And we're not going to talk about what to do, but Jesus is going to focus on why we do them. Jesus is literally going to expose our hearts for what's actually inside. And listen, if you're like me today, and I've already dealt with this passage over over the last few weeks, God is going, God filleted my heart. And these six verses expose things within my own hearts. And it was so awesome and such a good experience that I'm praying that he does the same thing for you today. So listen, we're going to, we're going to get into, into this portion of scripture. But before we do, the one thing that Jesus is constantly going to bring us back to over the next three or four weeks is simply this thought. Is that kingdom citizens live for the approval of the king. Kingdom citizens live for the approval of our king. And I know that we, we work on correlating our songs to the message, but man, Pastor Mike did such a great job this week of giving us reminders that nothing else satisfies except, except our Lord and Savior. By bringing us back to even the cross, that, that last song that we just sang about, this, this idea that our righteousness isn't found in what we do, our righteousness is found in Christ. But over and over again, I want you to remember this thing, that kingdom citizens live not for the approval of the world, not for the approval of, of each other, not even for the approval of ourselves. Kingdom citizens live for the approval of our king. I want to read Matthew 6, 1 through 6, and then we're going to break down on this portion together. So I just want to read, and I want you to follow along as I do so. It says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. And truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees you in secret will reward you. Father, God, as we just approach your word this morning, God, I believe that these verses can expose the very depths of our sinfulness, God. Because many of us here do these things. We give, we pray, we fast. But God, Lord, this, your son here wasn't speaking about to do these things. You're speaking, your son was speaking about why we do them. And Lord, as we just talk about the intense and The intentions, Lord, and the motivations of our hearts, God, I pray, Lord, that we would be sensitive, God, to your spirit today. Because, God, it is easy to overlook what's going on inside and and see the motivations of why we do what we do. So, God, through this, as we just walk through these verses, God, may we see the goodness, God, and the satisfaction that we find only in your son, Jesus. God, be with me now. May your word go, go forth, may I get out of the way. And I pray all these things in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. Well, church, the way that Matthew 6 is broken down is that Matthew 6, 1, Jesus begins with, with this command. And we, we've seen Jesus do this before. Um, in, in other portions, in, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus gives us this command, or this principle, and then, and then he kind of gives us some ways that we can actually live this thing out within our lives. Um, how this is specific to how we live. And Jesus does exactly that in, in Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6 verse, verse 1, beginning that first portion, says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. Let me just stop there. Let's focus on that for a bit. That word beware, there's not, there's not many commands or imperatives within this portion. There's some, and we're, we're, we're going to get to them, but that word beware is so important here. It means to be on guard. It means to, to concentrate on something. It means, to, it means to protect. It means to, to watch an object, to make sure it's not, it's not taken or, or a space that it's not intruded upon. And Jesus here is like, listen, I want you to be careful. I want you to be on guard about something. And the reason why Jesus has to say, be on guard, is because, listen, we are a forgetful, almost lazy people at times. Sometimes we can be on our game, and sometimes we're just not. I'll kind of give, give you a per- personal example of this. Um, a couple years ago, I think it was, it was on a Sunday afternoon, and my wife, Melanie, uh, just wasn't feeling that great. You know, Sundays are great for napping anyway. And so she's like, Dave, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lay down on the couch. I'm going to take a nap. You watch the kids. Like, yeah, I got this. No worries. I'm, yeah, we, we, had, we had four at the time, so a lot, but we can do it. I'm, I'm, I'm their dad. I should be able to watch them all. So he says, Mel, don't worry about it. You take a nap. I will take care of everything. I'm pretty sure I was watching a football game or whatever, and I made, I made the mistake of going from the couch to the floor. Mistake number one. Should have never done that. I was sitting up on the couch. I was locked in. And then I was like, you know what, that floor looks really nice. So I'm going to go lay down there. Mistake number two, I grabbed a pillow. Not a good thing to do. And I don't know about you guys, I I love sleeping on the floor. I'm just a floor guy, that's what I do. I'm a a floor napper, and so not not a good situation. So anyway, football game's going on, the, the kids are doing everything, and slowly but surely, my eyes begin to close. And instead of getting up, I stay right there. Next thing I know, Melanie is is screaming because a lamp had fallen on her head she was sleeping she was sound asleep and something what happened I don't know I was I was sleeping too but we think one of the kids knocked over our coat rack which knocked over the lamp which landed on Mel's head that's just how it works and like Mel's like I've asked you one time so that I could take a nap how many times have you napped on that floor and you give me and I and she had to watch all the kids but that one time by the only, I think that, that was the last time Mel's like, I'm taking a nap, you're in charge kind of deal. Because we know, we know what it is. She, she knows what's probably going to happen. Listen, we forget. Oftentimes, we are not on guard. And so Jesus says, listen, I want you to be on guard about something. But then he goes, not, not guard a city, not guard your neighborhood, not guard your house. I want you to guard your heart. I want you to concentrate and focus on the innermost part of your being. And he gives us this this command. He says, we need to guard your hearts while doing good works. Guard your hearts while doing good works. He says, listen, specifically when you are doing good things, when you perform acts of righteousness, watch what's going on inside of your heart and inside of your mind. Watch why you're doing what you're doing. Be diligent over what is going on inside of your hearts. See, because Jesus warns us about the possibility of doing good works for the wrong reasons. Listen, and if we're honest today, and if one thing today, we need to be honest with ourselves. If we're honest, haven't we all done good things for the wrong reasons? Church, I have preached messages with the wrong reason in mind. I have led small groups with the wrong reasons in mind. And I'm sure you have done some of the similar things. And and what Jesus is calling us today to is like, listen, we need to guard against the possibility of us looking really good on the outside but having really evil desires and sinful desires on the inside there. But let me, before we even get into the rest of the passage, I I need to break down something here. Let's talk about what Jesus isn't saying. Is Jesus Jesus saying here, don't do any good works in public? No, he's actually not. And actually, just the chapter right before, Jesus makes a statement that that we must, that that must connect with with Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 5, verse 16 says, In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So Jesus is saying at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, and kind of right before he mentions this, he says, listen, make sure that you do good works in public for people to see. But what Jesus is getting at here is a motivation. Because what, what is the motivation of Matthew 5.16, this verse behind me? The motivation is to give glory to God so that other people may see the goodness of of our heavenly father. And oftentimes those good works are a pathway for them to for them to understand and experience the good news of the gospel of Jesus. So you say he's not saying don't don't do he's not saying to do everything in secret and private. And people have taken taken Matthew 6:1 and they put they they don't put enough emphasis on this idea of our motivation to be seen by others. So Jesus here is saying, listen, when you are afraid to show your good works in your community, you show it. But he's like, if you are overly zealous to do good works, to to be seen by others, you hide it. In those moments when when we're afraid that people will know that we're followers of Jesus, that's when you need to show them good works. That's when you need to step out in faith. But man, when, when our hearts are in the wrong place, and when we're doing this to be seen by others... Jesus calls us to pull back and check our hearts. The rest of verse 1 there says this. He says, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Jesus says, listen, if you give, if you serve, if you pray for the wrong reason, listen, your reward is already paid in full. You will gain no reward from your heavenly Father. Why? Because you don't want a reward from your heavenly Father. You don't want to be seen by him. You don't want to be approved by him because your heart's desire is what to be seen by other people. Jesus isn't going to show up where he's not welcomed. Jesus isn't going to reward in places where he's not invited to. And so Jesus says right here to guard your hearts. Guard your hearts. And in the verses that come, Jesus Brings us gives us two examples and two areas of our lives where we most urgently need to guard what's going on inside of our hearts. Let's, let's continue to read. Let's read Matthew 6, verse 2. It says, Thus, when you give t- to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. So Jesus says that we shouldn't give to be recognized by others or gain a reputation as givers. And the first thing that we need to, Jesus just says, like, listen, you need to watch out for giving to the poor to gain recognition, to be known as a giver. See, these people are more concerned about not really meeting the need, but what happens after the need, after after giving. They want to be known, they want to have a reputation for people that give to the poor you guys see, see, the, see the, the difference there? you see the motivation there? It's not, hey, I see a need, I'm going to meet it, end of story. It's, hey, I see a need, I'm going to meet that need so that I can receive something. How many people do we know that give to a large cause to be written up in the paper or to have a, a, a part of a building named after them, to have a plaque up on the wall, Or in this day and age, how many people give so that they can post something on social media so that everyone else can see it? Listen, again, those things aren't wrong. It's okay to be noticed. But the question has to be asked, why am I doing what I'm doing? And the question that that I'm going to bring up later simply is this, and we'll we'll kind of continue to think about a massage, is this, if no one else ever saw me give, would I still do it? And I think for the most of us, if no one else ever saw you meet that need, would you still do it? A lot of our a lot of the answers if we're honest would be no. I, I want to be recognized. And, and Jesus gives, this gave a little more color to this, Jesus gives some, some examples here in verse 2 when he says, listen, don't be like those hypocrites who blow trumpets in the synagogues when they give, so that they can be announced, so that, so that they can be praised by others. See, in Jesus' day, people that wanted to be recognized would do one of three things. One is that they would literally blow a trumpet and announce the fact that they were giving. They would, like, before before they give a large gift, they would make sure that everyone knew. Now, this doesn't happen in churches today, thankfully, or on a street corner, but think about this. Um, I am a huge baseball fan. Uh, We went to a lot of uh, Rail Riders games this year. And any of you guys who have been to a rail riders game knows that there's that one guy, the beer guy. And everyone knows what, what he's selling, right? Everyone knows. Because he's walking around and saying, really, really, really cold beer. And he says it over and over and over again. Everyone knows what he's there for, what he's got. None of my kids are going to go up and, and, and try to get cotton candy off this guy. Obviously, it would be weird because it's, it's a beer guy, but still, everyone knows what he's selling. It doesn't take long. And those people, there were hypocrites coming into the temple, and everyone knew why they were there. This guy's going to give again because he's announcing it. Other people, um, they had these big, like, treasuries and these big, like, I don't know, treasure boxes. I don't even know how to, how to describe it. Places to put your, giving, your, your gift in. And some of these people would, instead of paying in normal uh, currency, they would get the smallest currency as possible as many coins as possible, so that they can dump that thing in. It's almost saying they're carrying this large sack of money with them to gain the attention of others as they dump that thing in. They're gaining the, the recognition of other people just in the way that they give. Or lastly, there are some other people that there is there this pattern that if there was ever a large crisis Trumpets would be blown and everyone would be encouraged to come and give toward that need. Whether it's a natural disaster, nowadays, whatever it may be. Nowadays, we can just have a, like an hour special and you can text in a number and give whatever you want. Back then, it wasn't the case. So some people would actually wait and give to the poor until everyone was there to notice that they were giving. So in any one of those situations, people gave so that they could be recognized. People gave so that they could be praised by others. People gave not simply to meet the need or bring glory to God, but they gave so for how people would look at them and, how, and the recognition that they would receive. But guys, let me tell you about something. Let me tell you something. And, and, and you know this deep down in your heart. The recognition and approval of others doesn't last. It just doesn't. When I first moved up into the area, I began working um, as a server at the Olive Garden. And when we first started, um, they, they did this thing called Employee of the Month. How many of you guys have been in a workplace where they do the Employee of the Month deal? Some of you guys, it's not like super popular today, but some of you, cool, cool, good. You have some good bosses. But I remember, so every, every month, they would gather the whole entire staff together. And they would hand out this plaque, and they put it up on the kitchen wall, and they would give them a little pin, and I think like 20 bucks. It wasn't a huge deal, but there's something about it that I just needed to have. And so let me, just, let me just like open up the closets here, and you can see right right into your pastor's heart today. All right, I needed that plaque. I needed that pin. I don't, I don't even wear pins there. I still serve there. Like I have no pins. They're just like sitting in like my desk drawer or whatever. But so I worked crazy hard. I picked up every shift I could. I, I helped out my manager whenever, whenever I could, whatever it may be. And I finally got that award. And it was awesome. I remember like driving home that day, like just rocking out to some music thing, and I finally did it. I've arrived. I've gotten employee of the month at the Olive Garden. It was like the best day of my life. So I got home, did my thing. Six months later, I walk into work one day, plaques are gone. All of them. They, like, re- they like, re- remodel the kitchen, over, done. That was a really disappointing day for me. Because I worked so hard for that thing, and it's gone. What's even worse, I was, I was talking with, with, with Melanie, and I was like, Mel, I think I'm going to use this as an illustration. When I, that, remember that time I got the employee of the, of the month? And I was like, what are you talking about? I have no idea that you got that. Like, she, she had forgotten. And it was a large day for me. And in a matter of moments, my manager took all the plaques down. We don't do them anymore. No one remembers that amazing day in my life. Because you know what? Nobody cares. Nobody remembers most of the time, I'm not going to say always because there's those chances, but most of the time the approval that that we're gaining, that we want to get, it is old news in a matter of days or weeks. Guys, we live on a 24-hour news cycle where things that happened that were a big deal two or three weeks ago are gone now. News has moved on to something else. Your people have moved on to something else. The people that you want to impress and you want to gain their approval, they don't care. But we think that they do. And we believe that lie. So motive number one, we give to gain recognition to people that don't really care about us. We're going to continue on. And now Jesus tells us how we should give. He says, listen, don't give this way, but do this instead. Verse 3 says, but when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Stop there. So Jesus commands us to give in private as often as possible. If you can give without no one noticing, then do it. If you, don't have, you don't have to announce it. You don't have to tell your friends. You don't have to bring it up as a prayer request. We, we've all done that, right? Let's pray, pray for so-and-so. I help them, but they, but they need more prayer. No, don't do that. Give in private. Let, your, let not your left hand know what your right hand is doing. In that day and age, same as today, most of us are right-handed. Most of us do most of our work with our right hand. And so he said, if you're able to, to do that work by yourself, don't even let your left hand know what you're doing. Don't make a post on social media. Don't, don't make a phone call. Just do it. Now, listen, again, too, it says not if you give, it's when you give. Jesus expects us to be people who give, Jesus expects us to be people who are generous. Listen, all of our resources are given by God anyway, and He calls us to give them back when real needs happen. But He calls us to do it in the secret of our hearts. Listen, our family has been blessed over the years by people who have given under the radar. I'm sure yours have as well. It was often from people that we didn't expect. And sometimes we had no idea who it was even from. Simply, it was a card in the mail. People dropping off groceries on our porch. People, People doing different things. It wasn't announced or posted on social media, but it was simply happened there to meet a need then Jesus promises something at the end of this. He says, and your father who sees you in secret will reward you. Guys, this, to me, is a thrust of of these entire verses. Because you know what it does? That phrase acts as a guardrail for our hearts. As we guard our hearts and guard our motivations, that phrase keeps us centered on where it should be. That phrase keeps our hearts from trying to be recognized by people or, or the other motive we're going to talk about it in a moment. That heart keeps a, that heart, that, this phrase keeps our hearts going back to the center of the message of the gospel. Now, Jesus here reminds us of three things. He says, one, that you are known and loved by your heavenly Father. Guys, think about this. Jesus could have used any other word to describe our relationship with God. But he chose the word Father. He chose the word that describes our relationship to a dad and his children. Someone who knows his kids well. Someone who loves his kids deeply. Someone who knows every single thing about them, knows their stories, understands their needs, and loves them with all that he has. Guys, and this love cannot compare to the approval and the praise that we give from this world, it just doesn't. It cannot. It's a different currency altogether. He says, when we feel the need to gain approval from this world, we remember that we are known and loved by our Heavenly Father far more than anyone else in this world can love you. And when you let that truth alone come into your hearts, That will change the way that we we do good things and do good work. So you are known and loved and cherished by your Heavenly Father more than anyone else. But the second thing Jesus says here is that God sees even what is done in secret. God sees even what is done in secret. I'm not talking about the whole, like... Comparison to Santa Claus, he sees us when we're sleeping, he knows when we're awake. Listen, the the psalmist especially, but all of scripture, talks about this idea. The psalmist says, where can I run from your spirit? Where can I go from you, God? And he's like, there is no place that you aren't there. And if we take that understanding, if God is really omnipresent, if God is really everywhere, then the next thing, the next application is that, listen, God sees what no one else can see, both good and bad. And Jesus reminds us, listen, not only does this person care about you deeply, but he is always with you. And he sees what is done even in the most private moments of your life. There is no place that God isn't there. There is no good deed that God cannot see. God sees you when you make that phone call to a hurting friend who just needs someone to talk to. God sees you when you write that check and you drop it in the mail with no return address. God sees every act of service for him. And not only does he see it, but the next thing that Jesus reminds us of is that that your your deeds done in secret will be rewarded. And this is really where the rubber meets the road. Because guys, all of our motivation to give, next in a moment, to pray, a lot of that is fueled by this idea is that we need to be rewarded here and now for what we've done. How many of you like instant gratification? Yo, me. As much as I hate the microwave when grilling, there's other things I love about it because it's done like that. And so often when we do good things, we want to be recognized right away. But God, but Jesus promises, listen, those things that you've done for the right reasons will be rewarded in heaven in ways that we cannot imagine. Paul, the Apostle Paul, writes that that no eye has seen nor ear has heard, nor, nor mind can even imagine what God has prepared for those who have loved him. Church, cling to that verse. Cling to that thought. Because God will reward those good deeds done in secret for the right reasons that's something that you can take to the bank today. It's a second motive that Jesus talks about. It's found in verses verse 5 and 6. In verse 5, it says, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and the street corners, that they may be seen by others. And truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. And the second motive is, listen, to be praying to be perceived as righteous. Again, words matter. And Jesus says, do not be like the hypocrites who love to stand in the, in the street corners and in the, in the synagogues for what? To be seen, to be perceived as something. Don't pray in public just so that people can look at you and mean, man, that guy is really righteous. That guy is super close to God. That guy, is, that guy must have a, a, an amazing prayer life, a private prayer life, because I could never pray like him. We'll talk about that a little bit more next week. But do not pray. Do not use your public forms of worship to be seen as righteous by other people. And guys, everyone struggles with this. This isn't just like a a front pastor thing. We all have this tendency within us. I remember the first time that Mel's dad asked me to pray for a meal at their their house. And listen, I'd already been in ministry. It wasn't like I'd, I'd never prayed in public before. But I had this nagging feeling that he was going to. So on, on the drive up there from here to Buffalo, I'm thinking in my head, what am I going to pray? How is this going to work? Like, what if, I, what, if I, what if I stutter? What if I do this? What, what if I sound foolish? And, like, I was, I was going crazy in my head. Why? Because I wanted to be seen as someone who, like, this guy, I married your daughter. I want you to see me as righteous, as, as worthy. And, and man, as I was reading, as I was reading this, and that was like that was literally like ten years ago, but God even brought that. I was like, Dave, you prayed that prayer for the wrong reason, and I felt like I prayed crazy long. I was stumbling around my words. Like everyone's like, Dave, just just pray already. Why, we, there's turkey to be to be had or whatever. Like, what are we doing? We pray to be seen by others. So Jesus says in verse six, "This is how I want you to pray." says but when you pray go into your room and shut the door and pray to your heavenly and pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you so Jesus commands us when we pray that we pray in private now is Jesus saying that we should never pray in public no there are so many other places in scripture where it says pray together, gather together to pray. Acts chapter 2, there's this monumental, like when the church started, people gathered together and what? They prayed. Jesus isn't saying don't ever pray in public, but Jesus is saying don't ever pray in public with the wrong motivation. And he said simply that we should do this, that our times in public worship, worship should never outweigh our times in private worship. That our times that we spend worshiping together, leading things, praying openly for things, should never outweigh what happens behind closed doors. Your personal time, your personal devotions with God should never outweigh what you do up front of anything. So when you pray, pray in private. Go into the inner room of your house, shut the door, and you you commune with God. and you talk with God one-on-one. Men, that means that as you lead your family, as you lead your wives, as you lead Bible studies, whatever else, make sure that you are spending ample time in God's word with, by yourself first. Let that be your foundation. Ladies, that goes for you as well. May our times in private devotions and prayer never outweigh what we do in front of people. And if it does, then there's a problem. And you are doing those things for the wrong motivations. That's what Jesus is getting at here. And Jesus again goes back to the message of the gospel, cuz so often we pray out loud. We lead things in public. To be seen as righteous. And Jesus is saying, man, the the last scripture passage that Pastor Mike had us read together spoke so well this idea that, listen, your righteousness isn't found in those things. It's not found in praying out loud. It's not found in leading something. It's not found in looking good. Your righteousness is found in Christ. And saying, you don't need to be seen as righteous by other people because you know why? Because you were already seen as righteous by your Heavenly Father. You don't need to live a life where where you simply want the approvals of other people because you've already been approved of by God. And this passage constantly goes back to 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 the center point of the gospel. We are not righteous in and of ourselves. But Christ came and died so that we could be the righteousness of God. He took our sinfulness upon himself. And when God views us now, he doesn't see our sin. He doesn't see our sinfulness. He doesn't see our past. He sees the blood of his son over us, and he views us as righteous. Not as sinners anymore, but as saints and as beloved children of God. So church, as we close, let me me remind you again that kingdom citizens should live for the approval of our king. And church, as as we've seen all throughout the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is inviting us to something here. Let me just pause and let's, let's imagine something. Imagine you live a life where you don't use good works to impress other people anymore, but you simply do it to serve and glorify God. Imagine a life where you don't have to run to social media or get the recognition of other people whenever you do something righteous. Righteous. Imagine a place and a time where you don't have to look for other people to find your value and worth because you've already been valued and are worthwhile to your Heavenly Father. Imagine a life where integrity of who you are in private far outweighs who you are in public. And listen, the more that we live in God's presence, the more that we live for His approval, the more we will experience the very life that God invites us to throughout this whole Sermon on the Mount. So listen, if you are here today and you're a follower of God but you have been serving him for the wrong reasons, take advantage of this opportunity today to get things right. If God has brought about conviction in your heart today about ways that you have given or, or even public areas of ministry that you are doing for the wrong reasons, take the time today to make that right. As we play, as we play our last song, Come up front and spend time confessing those things to God if need be. Have conversations with your your spouse, with your kids, with your family, with your friends if need be afterwards, but you make that right today. And if you are here today, and you're maybe here right now in a church service because you're trying to earn your salvation, you're trying to earn your righteousness before God. Friends, let me tell you today that you are you're striving, you're striving in vain. Because God's word says that God views even our good works as filthy rags if we're trying to earn our way to heaven. And the message for you today is that you, that you can stop working and stop trying to earn God's favor and earn your way to heaven. Jesus has done all of that for us. God sent his son who lived and fulfilled all of God's righteousness and died on the cross in your place for our sins so that we didn't have to. That our salvation isn't about working our way to heaven. Our our salvation is about resting in what Jesus has already done. So if you're here today and and that's you, know that you can know today that you have a relationship with your heavenly father. That you don't have to work for it anyway. That you don't have to work for his love. Or you don't have to obey him to be viewed highly by him. That he sees us in what we believed about his son Jesus. So if that's you today, take this opportunity. Take this opportunity to begin a personal relationship with God. And if you would like to do that today, you can come up front as well. Come find me, Pastor Mike, Pastor Dan, someone who's sitting next to you. We would love to have that conversation and show you what it looks like to have a personal walk with Jesus today. Because I'm going to invite the praise team up, and we're going to sing one more song as we close. And, and I just want to pray over you guys as, as they come up. Listen, this is hard stuff. This is, this is convicting words. But I want to pray that God uses it for his honor and glory today. So let's pray, church. God, Lord, I just thank you so much for Matthew chapter 6. God, I thank you, Lord, for what you've done in my own heart through these words. And God, I pray for us today because all of us, I don't care how long they've been a believer for, we all struggle with seeking the recognition of other people besides ourselves and not, Lord, seeking your approval. And God, may they know that the only thing that matters is what you think about them. And the only word that matters, the only final word about our lives, God, is what your son Jesus will say when we, when we stand before him someday. So, God, if we are using good works to gain recognition from others, to be perceived as righteous, God, I pray, Lord, that you would cut that out of our hearts today. That we would see that we are valued that we are loved and cherished already by you, God. We don't have to do those things anymore. That we would seek your face above everyone else's, God. So God, I pray that you'd move. pray that your gospel message, God, would take hold of our hearts today. And that we would see fruit from it. And I pray all these things in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Grace Bible Church. For more information about our church and our ministries, you can visit gracebiblepa.com.